1: Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post Politics Podcast. With me, Owen Bennett, Paul War, and Graham Deminick. No Ned Simons this week. He is so sick of Brexit. He's actually he just walked off. He's done a Reggie Perry and he's gone into the sea. All right, let's uh, let's crack straight on. I mean, this is going to be a Brexit special again, guys, because. We've just got a week to go. We're nearly there, everyone. We are nearly over the line. Come on, let's focus. Let, let's stay on this down. Let's just get over the line together. Uh, first of all, let's talk about our debate, which we have with The Telegraph this week, in which we had Boris Johnson and Pretty Patel versus Liz Kendall and Alex Salmond. And this is the moment when Alex Salmond called Boris Johnson out on his lack of reading material. Okay, who who in the Bank of England said what you've just said? Uh, it was a Bank of England study that showed that for every... Who wrote it? 10% increase in uh, immigration. There was a 2% reduction in wages. No, it didn't. I have you read that study, you. study, Boris? You, see? Have you have you actually read it? That's uh, a straight question. Have you read I've, that study? I have not read that study. Right. I've, okay. I've, right. I've, I've, very I've, honest. No, I've, I've. So we have Alex Salmon getting one over Boris Johnson. Let's talk about that debate briefly. Um, Paul, what did you make of it? I thought that uh, Alex Salmon did very well, actually, as showing up that Boris was playing a bit fast and loose with some of. The figures.
2: Yeah, that's one of the problems, though, in this whole debate, which is, is it about figures? In many ways, uh, if you're a Brexiteer, it's about feelings rather than facts, or feelings rather than figures. And, and we've seen that in lots of different bits of the, the Brexit campaign. The Vote Leave posters... You put that great big figure out there—the 350 million a week going to Brussels. Now you and I know that actually it's been condemned regularly by the authorities, by the statistics chief, etc. But we see a poll today showing that more people believe that figure than believe George Osborne's figure of saying we'll all lose four grand if we if we if we go down Brexit route. So facts versus feelings is a real problem in this whole debate. Uh, I'm not saying it was sort of post-facts or post-truth. as uh, how Faisal Islam, of course, described it as I mean, a post-truth. Yeah, politics. I'm not quite sure that's true, but it's a very very powerful weapon for the Brexiteers. It's the idea of national identity, of control. It doesn't necessarily rely on figures. It's it's a sort of raw emotion thing. And and I think that's one of the real problems for Remain. I mean, this
1: is the thing, Graham, this is a, a quote, I'm sure you correct me if I get it wrong, that uh, the uh lies halfway around the world while the truth still getting its boots on
2: i think I
3: believe that's mark twain is, 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 is that right <laughs> yeah. i never yeah. use you quote it's Liam before, gallagher in before here before but Twitter i think that, that was even it,
1: as well it says it. but that's true isn't it it's like if you keep sending the same lie yeah. long enough then people eventually
3: believe it right so people get people get talking about project fear but are oh, you keep telling
1: like up on your 37 but
3: Looking Unbelievable! At Look at this page. Sorry, interrupting. We keep talking about Project Fear, but a lot of it seems to be Project Bullshit. To be honest. As, oh, uh, as all Paul, right. As Paul said, uh, Paul said there that fact has been kind of been been traveling around the world blah 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 but th- this week we also seen these um uh flyers that have been going through people's doors not quite sure who, who from but saying which countries are going to be well, it's from vote they, leave. going to be going to be in the eu but these these, these are totally, even even vote leave might kind of say these these are ridiculous there's one suggesting that that even libya and, and countries in africa will be joining Will are joining the eu and this kind of stuff is is kind of kind of floating around in the ether, and it's kind of... It, 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 you try and shoot it down, but it doesn't to get shot down. I mean, the, the, we talked before about how the Turkey debate, how the Turkey question... was. We would have thought that was quite a peripheral thing, whether Turkey joining the EU will be something that, 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 that is important. And and the way the, the Leave campaign have been pushing it is that it's this is definitely going to happen, it's going to happen soon. Cameron tried to counteract that by saying it wouldn't happen in my lifetime wouldn't happen happened in the year 3000 but that doesn't really the, the year 3000 but that doesn't really matter because it's, it's was that in, in the Busted song a, was that
1: in it, the Busted lyrics yeah it went to the year 3000 not much had changed but Turkey joined the EU we live underwater
3: and Turkey is <laughs> yeah. in the EU yeah, yeah. it was yeah
2: but anyway. you're right about Turkey. I mean, you know, there are two key cut-through messages that Vote Leave, to give them great credit, have achieved. One is on 350 million quid of yours is we're wasted every week. Yep. The other is 80 million Turks are going to come yep. through the door. And Remain haven't had as simple, as a messages as that, let's be honest. And again, it's not just about... Uh, feelings versus facts. It's about complexity versus simplicity. Mm. They've got very simple messages, whereas it's a complex message. And as our EU debate showed this week with Alex Salmond, you know, he read the detail of this study but from the Bank of England, which showed that actually wages aren't going to be depressed by 2p in the pound, by a 10% rise in migration. He looked at the study and found actually it's a third of 1p. Mm. Now, that problem. the problem with that is he's right, but it's complex and also... You are conceding the point there is some tiny yeah. impact on wages. I thought what was really fascinating about it, yesterday, and that was Wednesday, was when the job figures came out. They were good for the government, but they were also good on the migration story because they told a story which is wages are still going up despite all this EU migration. And that basically there's enough jobs to go around for everyone. So we've got record low British Indigenous unemployment. And we've got record high employment for everybody, Brits and EU migrants.
3: And, and talking about simple messages in our EU debate, Liz, Liz Kendall um, for, the, for, the, for the Remain campaign, and a little plug for one of our stories, five, five times Liz Kendall bossed the EU referent EU debate. She was she, on our website now. She was very good in putting Did across, you write it, Billy Charles? I might have written yeah. it. So if you can, it does help with the clicks, everyone. So yeah. do, do jump onto <laughs> that. Um, she made She made key big... Remain messages in very in very in very in very simple ways. You're more more likely to be um, treated by somebody in the NHS and behind them in in the queue for NHS services. Yeah. You know, and there was a few other kind of um, simple kind of points about the be- the benefits of immigration, the benefits of of red red tape. You know, the yeah, the red simple tape messages arm, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, 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 deli- uh, delivered well and delivered like a, a human being. So it, was, yeah, uh, yeah, it, the- it it can be done, and it can be done in from somebody who as we've seen in the Labour leadership campaign ourselves, but it didn't kind of maybe translate to the Corbanesis. She's a very effective communicator in that sense, and maybe people like her have been underused.
2: And Farage, don't forget, we've got another poster out today. Farage has got this very, again, very simple message. This poster showing a long, long line of migrants waiting to come into Europe. And it's their equivalent, I think, that's the equivalent of the MNC, the Sarchi poster from 1979 general election, you know, which is Labour's not working, showing a great long line of people in jobs queue. And that's what's really... Really ironic about this. We have no great long jobs queue. We've got low and we've got low unemployment. Yet we've got this very long perception of a long queue of migrants waiting to come in here, and that is very powerful.
1: I mean, it's been the campaign, the Leave campaign, has been dealing in you know in sort of broad brushstrokes, as you said. And it seems looking at the polls. But hey, we don't believe the polls anymore because last year's general election, we're all wrong, right? (laughs) No, it seems like we're all getting very excited about them again. And the polls are showing that leaves ahead. And maybe that was behind... The, maybe that was what gave George Osborne the idea to bring out a budget or announce... He would uh, deliver a budget in the case of Brexit, which would basically... Uh, I mean, drop a nuclear bomb on Britain was basically what, what the budget was going to do. We'd see tax rises, we see spending cuts. I mean, within hours, 56 or 55 Tory MPs had signed a letter saying, we won't back this, so you wouldn't get it through the Commons because the majority's gone. Labour said they wouldn't back it. I mean, why did Osborne do this when he knew that, it, that no one believed it?
2: I think it was not necessarily panic, but it was part of his strategy, which is to ramp up the fear in the final few weeks. And they thought this, you know, this nuclear bomb... The
1: fear of a Tory chancellor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this nuclear bomb would work. But to all of us, you know, everybody who's objective could see that that was deeply flawed. Because if you haven't got a majority... Uh, in Parliament, it's, it's fantasy figures. It's worse than the fantasy figures that they've accused the Leave campaign about. And the figures are, look, if you've got at least 65 now Tory MPs saying they won't buy this emergency budget, it's not going to happen. Labour weren't on board. Why? Because actually, despite everyone's suspicions, John McDonnell and um, George Osborne don't talk to each other a lot. And there was this suspicion that maybe this is one area where, you know, Osborne had tipped off McDonnell, squared it with him beforehand. He hadn't, as far as I'm aware. He certainly hadn't squared Jeremy Corbyn's office. And that's why Jeremy Corbyn, when this idea came out, felt he had no choice but to say, of course we'll never vote for an austerity budget from the Tories, never in a million years. That wasn't the most
1: ridiculous thing to happened yesterday on Wednesday, day, was it? George Osborne's uh, great fancy budget the most ridiculous thing was uh, Nigel Farage and Bob Geldof facing each other off yeah. on the Thames in a, in a sort of Navy kind yeah. of convoy. Here's a clip of Bob, Bob Geldof, Sir Bob Geldof, having a go at Farage fourth you are no fisherman's friend you were on the european parliament fishing committee and you attended one out of 43 meetings you're a fraud nigel go back down the river because you're
0: up one without a canoe or a paddle
1: now i was on friday's boat And I've mentioned before, I've followed Farage quite a few places. This was the most weird one, right? Yeah. Being on a boat with Nigel Farage and and most of the senior UKIP people whilst we're being heckled by Sir Bob Geldof. She was standing next to Boris Johnson's sister, Rachel, on their boat, which added another weird thing to it. I mean, I don't know how it looked to people who weren't there, but it certainly felt a it was at the time.
3: Journalistically, it was the most jealous I've ever been of you. The fact that <laughs> I was sat in an office uh, covering Prime Minister's question signs, which is an honour and a privilege, don't get me wrong. But to know that a colleague was was up the Thames uh, with Nigel Farage and all the other, all the other, other trash, brill- brilliance that was going on. Is is it worth you providing a little bit of colour for listeners of what it, what it what it was like what it was like on there? Um, well, we got
1: we got on board the the boat which Roger was sailing on, and there was the wonderful Union Jack deck chairs, and there was red, yeah. white, and blue balloons. Oh, it's just rather lovely. And then the boat set sail and went underneath Tower Bridge, and immediately, as if from nowhere, this uh, in-campaign boat came along, Bob Geldof's boat, blasting through a tannoy the in-crowd <laughs> song, "In with the In-Crowd." It then pulled up alongside us very close and Bob Gelder. I mean he could have shouted without the aid of a microphone, got on what I imagine was a sound system used at Wembley for live aid. Yeah, yeah. And started reading shouting across the channel about Nigel Farage's attendance record in the European Parliament. Which I think the last time that happened was Nelson, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then the boat then appeared to do a retreat. But what happened was the boat had set off too early, so the flotilla of fishing boats supposed to join Farage weren't ready yet. So we had to circle round Tower Bridge with Bob Geldof's boat chasing us <laughs> for a good 20 <laughs> minutes until we finally got yeah. on our way up the Thames. That
2: was the Benny Hill moment, wasn't that it? Was,
1: that was great. And then, um, and then what happened was a load of uh, people, a load of fishermen and fishwomen turned up in their fishing boats to form this flotilla. Yeah, well, that's up, the boring was, bit, this thing. Yeah, yeah this is the, to complain about the EU fishing quotas. And there are people, you know, Michael Gove talks about it, who feel that the EU fishing quota system has destroyed the fishing industry in this country. And that was the moment for me, and I did write a blog about this, where I thought that Bob Geldof overstepped the mark. Because even from my position on Farage's boat, it looked like they were kind of shouting down these fishermen who had genuine concerns. And there's people on Bob Geldof's boat. Who actually got off and said, not got off into the sea, I to had actually yeah. just disembarked. Who said they didn't like the fact that people on Bob Geldof's boat were shouting at fishermen and making rude gestures and swearing at them, basically shouting down their concerns. And that ain't a good look, right? If you're trying to say we're sticking up for the working man, but we're just going to shout at that working man when he's talking to us, and you happen to be a millionaire rock star and I say star. Who also
2: happens won- to be Irish, as, uh, as yeah. David yeah. Coburn pointed it out. As David
1: yeah. Coburn you can, you know, he pointed out, he hasn't even got, a, I don't know if he's got a vote, maybe he's got a residency, but he's Irish Republic, so he's not
3: and to be to be quite fair to ha, ha, having used to work in the, in the far southwest of England where fishing is a is is a big industry you keep him banging on about exactly. fishing, fishing quotas and issues to in 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 years where no when it's been a peripheral issue, try and get a labour politician to talk about yeah. fishing would be and again, al- almost but, impossible this but,
2: but it's worth pointing out on this again the facts versus feelings argument because a lot of people, particularly environmentalists, will say, look, the EU has actually done fish stocks a lot of good through these quotas, and Brits on their own were, were killing the seas. And if you leave it up to Britain to sort itself out, I mean, the argument is about taking control. That's that's the leave argument. But there is a valid argument to say, look, you need coordination between different countries, because, you know, the fish flow, believe it or not, they don't respect the international boundaries of, of the seawater. Damn,
4: we'll <laughs> here, yeah. And
2: they were being, you know, farmed and fished out of existence and something had to happen so now it's not great if you're a fisherman and you're told you can't catch a certain amount but let's be honest even under brexit there have to be some controls on fish stocks so again it's about fact it's a simple message though saying that you used to blame um but the complicated message is that ever going to get across
1: i do like the fact that many of the fishermen were wearing t-shirts with the slogan save our british fish and i was like so you You're not going to fish (laughs) them then. What? I'm just going to throw them back. But do you know what? It was a lovely buffet. It was a lovely buffet on Friday. Was was it fishy? Oh, yeah. Lovely bit of salmon. Oh, nice. And some halloumi. Bit poncy for Farage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, That that is a bit continental. Prawn cocktail of journalism
3: brigade you're part of here. It was great. And
1: then the last leg uh, pulled up alongside us on a little dinghy, shouting questions at Farage. She refused to appear on their show. I did shout across them, this is quite an unconventional booking strategy. Yeah. (laughs) And I made them laugh. So. And yeah, didn't yeah.
3: you also uh, challenge Farage to a, some kind of a event with another member of Band-Aid? I did. Is I a, said that to him right?
1: you know, <laughs> fought Bob Geldof on water when are you going to take to the skies and maybe take on Midger in a
3: Spitfire. And the response was? He didn't like
1: it, did he? Because he had that little <laughs> plane crash for years ago. Ah, right. Yeah. So so to, was, was, yeah, yeah, to be do fair. Yeah. I mean? To Pretty tasteless. Paul, well, you, you know, <laughs> Farage loves free speech, did not he? Yeah. Well, you say <laughs> that. So we're, we're entering the last week, and the big thing this week, uh, in the last week, is this, this big rally at Wembley on Tuesday, which the BBC have organised. We're going to have, I think, Ruth Davidson is going to be there, the Scottish Conservative leader calling for Remain. I believe Sadiq Khan's going to be speaking there as well.
2: And maybe, it sounds like Francis O'Grady uh, from TUC, maybe the, the star guest on oh, the, the remainder. Oh side. Oh, really? That's going to really put forward the workers',
3: it's rights, the workers it's rights. It's not them. Wembley Stadium, to be absolutely clear.
2: It's, it's Wembley not, not, like,
1: not like Live Aid. But Brutie Patel's going to be there as well, and, I, and she said that she's really looking forward to it, but a bit, a bit nervous. Um, I mean, is this, is, this, is this too much, guys? Is this too much, having a big debate at Wembley Arena? I
2: mean, really? I, th- I personally think the only winners can be the leave camp from that kind of event. As soon as it was announced. Yeah. It's a Wembley Arena event. It's like X-Fact. There's going to be people jeering and, and shouting. The people who, as, awesome. as we've seen from all the debates so far, most of the emotion in the audience has been from people who are in favour of Vote Leave. They're the people who are ready to heckle, really go for <laughs> it. Of course, you've got, let's be honest, the metropolitan elite who love taking the mickey out of Farage and out of Boris, etc. But, you know... Do they really have cut through on TV, and will they turn up in great numbers and be vocal in that kind of event? It's it, it's going to be kind of a mob atmosphere, and I'm not sure that the the to be frank the Remain mob is is more vocal than the Leave mob.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, so he can't. Um, I forgot stat of the week, Graham. Oh, we Did you, you stat of the week? Yeah, of the week Which is <laughs> getting so
3: excited. We're getting with, so excited. We've washed away with Brexit. Fever. Away, yeah, go on. It's Just stat um, the week. Stat the week. So the stat the week is yesterday's flotilla on the. Thames may have been fun for all involved, but the fewer than fifty boats racing around the r- River Pale—this is this is so badly written. You you definitely wrote this. <laughs> but the fewer than fifty boats racing around the River Pale, in comparison to the six hundred seventy vessels which took to the river to mark the Queen's Diamond Jubilee in 2012. Of course, Owen didn't watch it as his band, Heavy Loaded Dice, were playing at a fantastic gig at the Riverside Gig in Chelmsford to mark the occasion
2: a little bit of a plug that's though. not a stat that's a
3: plug I don't think we finished yet there were also two encores and Andrew O'Rourke's rendition of Parklife okay good days where was the the stat was at the beginning right? yeah yeah you the did rest of it, it was just a bit of bio heavy loaded dice Britain's yeah. worst band's name isn't it
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, we're rolling the heavy loaded dice we, according to David Cameron are, to Brexit how about that he's on message isn't he yeah. right
3: let's do the quiz okay Because
1: it's not a Brexit quiz thank right. God for that so earlier this week I wrote a story which uh, there's a campaign to get the creative arts into the English baccalaureate exam we you, all read that, you read that yeah. and it's basically saying that the creative arts are being squeezed out of the, the GCSE package which makes up the English baccalaureate so I'm going to read out some subjects, and you put your phone away, Graham. This is interesting,
3: is it?
2: Yes, <laughs> his, his Google search is cheating. Yeah,
1: and you've got to tell me out of these two subjects, which one had the higher GCC uptake rate in 2015? So, if it was the arty subject, it's art attack, yeah, and if it was the non arty subject, it's the lost art of keeping a secret, yeah, which is queens to the same age, yeah. Song. Good, so okay. art attack, if it's right, art attack, if it was the arty subject, yeah. and then the lost art. If it was the non-arty subject, they had to hire... Okay, so for example, music or psychology?
3: So who studied it more? Is that what? Yeah.
1: Or how many more studied it? How many... St- music or psychology? Oh. Graham. Um, <laughs> music. Music. It's art attack then. Art, art
3: attack. Yeah, that's, yeah, art yeah attack.
2: that's
1: right. Yeah, it was music. 7.4%. GCSE students studied it compared to just 2.7 percent who studied psychology GCSE. Okay, I
3: think I understand the quiz now. Yeah. I think
2: I've finally got it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got to choose which is higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It. You yeah. got it right. Anyway,
1: okay, dance. Or Office Technology. Office, te- office technology. technology sounds wonderful. Yeah. I,
3: I'm going to go for that, just for just for the name. Is there a module on how to use your printer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think yeah the, Office a Technology. Of a I hope it's Office Technology. So the, the Lost Art.
1: Yeah, Lost Art
3: keeping a secret. <laughs> Thank you. You're right,
1: Office Tech, 2.4% uptake. Dance, just 2%. Mm. Uh-huh. Narrow though. Uh-huh. Uh, drama and theatre studies or computer studies? Computer studies. Computer, yeah, a lot of coders out there, I imagine. Incorrect. 5.4% oh. in studies, drama theatre studies,
3: art attack, 12%. So everyone's coding now? No. What, we're all Zuckerbergs, no? And Just a minority. Uh, and
1: finally, art and design or PE.
2: PE's big, surely. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah uh, art attack. What's that? What's that?
1: You're right. PE, 18.7%. 25% Ooh. boys took it as well. And art and design,
2: 14.5%. All right? great. Right. <laughs> that was a, possibly it's the worst quiz we've crazy. ever done.
1: Anyway, stick with us, listener. Uh, yeah, because we've, now we've got... Thanks for that, Phil. Just moving on nicely. Do you remember know, a couple of weeks ago I talked about Brexit the movie? Yeah. Well, I managed to persuade a couple of uh, the wonderful people from the HuffPost UK entertainment team who were used to watching fantastic films and going to great film premieres uh, to um, watch Brexit the movie and give me their take on it. We did give them a couple of bottles of wine to help with the experience. Good idea. And here is, I caught up with them earlier on, it's um, Rachel McGrath and Daniel Welch from our entertainment team.
2: We the people are being cajoled, frightened
0: and bullied into surrendering our democracy and freedom. This film is a rallying cry. We must fight for our independence, for the right to determine ourselves, the laws under which we live, and for the freedom to shape our own future.
1: Not one of the best movies you guys have seen, is it?
0: No, it was, it was more of a slog than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, It, it was. also
4: wasn't really technically a film, because it was a documentary, so it was a miscell. Because mm-hmm. it goes on
1: for about 80 minutes, right? 70 minutes. How long did it feel that it went on for? Longer than that
0: is yeah. all I will say. It just it was a very long, very long eighty minutes.
1: Okay, so the idea of this film is it's supposed to be shown to lots of people who are going to watch this film and go, "My God, we must leave this horrible EU superstate." Daniel, what was your your feeling when you watched this film? Did you feel like
0: you were getting actual facts? or Were you getting think? Sp- well, for one thing, there was no um, there was no kind of. Like double-sided argument, it was just completely from their point of view, which obviously I understand. If you're making a propaganda film, I mean a documentary, then you are generally only going to um, include your side of the story. But it would have been nice to have, um, as we said when we watched it, it would be nice to have had the um, the stay arguments and then have them counter them at the very least at, yeah. least, at least reference them. But it was almost as if the like the Remain campaign didn't even exist. It was just like they were just, they were just telling you why. Brexit was a good idea but there was no why the other thing was a bad idea
1: I mean, that when, I, sense. when I watched it I sort of got the impression that oh my goodness if only we didn't have any regulation at all the world would be great but I think the well, regulations give us stuff like as we say like holidays and maternity and that kind of stuff Rachel what did you make of it?
4: Um yeah I thought the whole regulation thing was really bizarre like the bit where it points out the pillow and is like the EU has six different regulations on your pillow and it's like well yeah they're probably to stop me getting killed by it like I don't want to suffocate to sleep like wasn't
1: there a bit about the shower as well about not I being in the shower
4: yeah it says um oh fans of psycho you can no longer get murdered in the shower and i was like well <laughs> good i don't want to get murdered in the shower yeah it was just bizarre i think a lot of the things they thought were negatives I actually saw as quite positive.
1: Right, okay. And there was some interesting use of uh, international stereotypes in there, wasn't there?
4: Yeah, there was. There was the French guys with the onions and the stripes, original. Um, there was some, they were just Asians. And I think at one point it used the phrase, they're from somewhere in Asia. which Right, a bit, yeah. That's Very quite general, really. And they were good at maths, weren't
1: um, they? In this. Yeah, they were this, really good yeah.
4: at maths, yeah. And then they painted one of them grey. For reasons that I, just, <laughs> I still don't understand. It was
0: a very questionable moment in Brexit the movie when a man appeared painted grey, and it wasn't really explained why either. I was think it?
4: we thought it was because he was from the past, but I just thought it was—I thought it was strange. Maybe they thought blacking him up would be too much. But so they just greyed him.
0: To grayscale them instead.
1: And, and it was, I mean, from a kind of technical point of view, there was a weird way they filmed it, isn't it, where the cameras were <laughs> sort of down low, pointing up at people like Nigel Farage and all these politicians.
0: Yeah, I mean, people really slam Kim Kardashian and say she doesn't know what she's doing, <laughs> but at least she knows that if she's going to be filmed, she's got to have the camera up a height. You know, what yeah. I mean, she wouldn't have... A camera looking up at her on the floor, and then as the film went on—well, I say film, as the documentary went on, as the propaganda it was, piece went on. Was, yeah. As a, as a, well, I didn't use—I wouldn't refer to it as a propaganda film. <laughs> that would obviously be incredibly um, unbiased. But um, as it went on, further and further, the camera just got closer and closer to their faces, and it was quite menacing at times. You just before. didn't
4: need it. I did not need to see their eyebrows that close. Like you just don't need. And to nasal hair—that
0: that. there was a lot of so nasal so hair in the film—is what I noticed as well. There were
4: a lot of necks, a lot of spotty necks. <laughs>
0: it <was> so gross. <laughs> I mean, one, of, one of the one of
1: the things about this is that the, the the brexit campaigners say we need to free ourselves from Brussels for the good of the next generation and lot of these brexit campaigners are significantly older than you guys and I guess they're talking about people of of your age um did it appeal to you in that kind of way as, as a quote-unquote young person? Did you go, my goodness, if
0: only, if only we weren't in the EU? Well, first off, thank you for referring to me as a young person. That's all right. But um, <laughs> second of all, no, it did not at all. The whole thing harked on stuff that happened 70 years ago. And I'm not saying that stuff that happened 70 years ago wasn't important, because obviously it was, but it was 70 years ago. You've got to talk about what's going on now. There was literally 20-minute history lesson and then sort of five minutes on what might potentially happen if we leave the EU.
1: So you, weren't, you, weren't, you guys weren't weren't sold in it. I mean, what they wanted people to do with this was to, you know, because it's on YouTube, so get, get get, your friends around, sit down with them oh on a Friday night, God. open a couple of bottles of wine and watch the film and have a, have a good discussion. I mean, would you be guys be doing that now, now you've seen
0: it? Well, we've done that. So yeah, now we, we did that. Now we know that you don't need to. We did it so you don't have to, basically. Yeah. We
4: took one for the team, quite frankly. And, you took,
1: and you took a fair bit of, I mean, you drank a couple of
4: glasses or bottles
1: of wine when you were
0: watching it, just to...
4: Wine lubricate. was drunk.
0: God, it was, we it was sort of like, we didn't intend to drink quite so much, did we? thought. but, you no, but of, then it
4: went on for such a long time.
0: Yeah, like but it, again it, it didn't, it just felt like it, a long time. It felt time. like I was
4: watching Lord of the Rings extended edition, only it wasn't as good. Like, honestly, it just went on forever.
1: It's a shame you can't see what's happening now, because Rachel's actually got her head in her hands <laughs> as we're forcing her to recount what she breaks at the movie. Thanks so much guys, thanks so much for putting yourself through it, and thanks so much for talking to us about it. You know, that was their take on it, I think. Think they'll be watching it again, um, right? So, guys, I guess it's time to ask now. How do you think it's going? Do you think it's going to be remain or leave? I must make, a prediction. Us to make a prediction now, and I must make one next week, and then we'll play them both back at the end.
2: You've got to be kidding! Uh, I, th- I'm not going to say this phrase. It's too close to call, but it is too close to call. Oh, God, it's like, no, like Mark Lawrence, isn't he? I, he is. my, my gut tells me that it's. There's so many conversations I've had with people. Uh, And this is outside the Westminster bubble, crucially. Most people outside the Westminster bubble say they're going to vote out. Mm. And these are just casual conversations. And it's anecdotal. And there's no real, you know, facts involved here. Mm. But that's been happening for a long time. And everyone I've talked to has the same experience outside London. And you can see it. When you go outside London, how many posters are in windows for Remain? None. However, there's a massive caveat to all of that. This is arse covering, but there's a massive caveat. The shy remainers may clinch it for the government. The people yeah, who are uh, not worried that they're admitting it.
3: I, yeah, I, I, I still think Remain on the basis that I think um, sm- the Britain's a small, sea conservative country. It doesn't like doesn't like change in the quiet still of the polling booth. I think people who were probably uh, on the edge will probably go for go for Remain and. There's nothing sexy about Remain. There's nothing. Let's let's go for the status quo. You know, people aren't going to have posters up. People aren't going to be shouting about it. You're going to have shy Remainers. You are going to have people who have back this thing, but don't get very passionate about it. And if they so turn out a, to vote, if they turn the out to vote, point, sure. I but I think Will on balance, that that's where it's going to be. So I'm um, Remain.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like... I remember last year going in a lot of constituencies um, and seeing a lot of UKIP posters, not seeing any Tory ones, and then the Tories would then win that constituency. Right. So I remember seeing a lot, thinking, oh, UKIP are definitely going to clear up here and, and not getting over the line. Everyone that I spoke to was suddenly a UKIP supporter. And I feel like this is the kind of similar thing here. And I kind of agree in the quiet reflection of the polling booth. When you've got the, the little pencil in your hand, could the... Could, could the little pencil. Right. The, could the Remainers drag it over the line? I think they could. But I think that the last week... I think it's. I still think it's all to play for.
2: And it is. It is. It is, isn't in every football cliche you're getting it's in there. It's a game of two hours, All yeah. to play for, and, um, and not for me, Clive. But oh. Labour could be sick as parrots because <laughs> I hate to say this. You know, most Labour MPs I've talked to are really depressed about in traditional yeah. Labour seats. What, many of these places, like I think something like 120 seats where UKIP came second last yeah. time. I mean, a huge number of seats where UKIP, UKIP have been on the ground, had a message for a long time, and people who did vote Labour last time are peeling off and are and telling their canvassers, look, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to vote out. And that, that could be the key factor.
1: Well, just a week to go. We'll do one more podcast next week before the big day. But until then, uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the football, I guess. That's what everyone really cares about. See you later. Thank <laughs>